when he could not find what way they might bring him in, because of the multitude, they went unto the housetop and let him down to the house with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which should speak blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it be easier to say, Thy sins are forgiven thee, or say, Rise up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power upon the earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy couch, and go into thy house. And immediately he rose up before them, took up the one he laid, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed when they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Amen. May we be blessed by the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Well, it's a new year, and there's a lot of things in a lot of places as a pastor we could go with today with this message as we uh, take a pause from our first Peter passage, and you know, a lot of times pastors will get up and talk about New Year's resolutions. I just don't do that because I, I last for about four and a half days, and so why preach on something I know I'm not going to keep? I'm just being honest. Is that all right today to be honest in here? And so I don't want to call us to something that uh, we have all this motivation to go and do and we get near midway in January, not midway in the year, just midway in January and we realize, wait a second, the, the resolution that I set for myself, I haven't done. You know, tomorrow we'll, uh, if you go to the gym, you'll go to the gym. I, I went to the gym before more than one time, but uh, I would go frequently to the gym and the first of the years when all the gym was just packed. And I thought, man, I can't wait for just February. By February, the, the herd will clear out. And all the other things that we do on New Year's and all the resolutions that we set for ourselves or all the traditions that we have. And so this morning, what I want to do is talk to us uh, about something. I don't want it to be a resolution and I don't want it to be tradition. I want it to be something that here at Powell's Chapel would really grip our hearts for this new year. As I've been thinking and praying and, and just uh, seeking the Lord, I thought, what is the thing, God, that you would have me January 1st, literally on January 1st, tell your people? And he kept bringing me back to this passage. And I thought, man, God, I don't really want to teach this passage. I don't really want to teach the things that are in this passage. But I really believe if we here at Powell's Chapel grab hold of this text and really be the theme verse for our lives and our church this year, we will look back on 2017 and see radical change. I really believe that. Just seeking the Lord day after day after day in the month of December about this new year. I tend to, at the end of the, the 2016, I just spent some time with the Lord, seeing what God would have for me personally, for me, for my family, but for us as the church. God, what is it that you would have for us here at the church? And you just kept bringing me back to this word faith faith you see the key passage the key verse in this passage is found in verse 20 i want you to highlight this i want you 
this year over and over to come back to this verse, as I will, to think to ourselves, what would it look like if this were said about us? Us individually and then us corporately of the church, Powell's Chapel Baptist Church. Look at the words that the writer Luke says. And when he, who's he? Jesus saw who? Their faith. You see, the whole text rests on four guys' faith. We know that cross-reference from Mark. Mark tells the same exact story, the same exact uh, moment in time where these four men carried their friend to Jesus. And it says, in seeing their faith. I wonder what it would be like for us this year if we come to the end of 2017. Could we say about ourselves the same way that the text says about these four men? Look at their faith. Look at the church's faith. Look at all that the church put their faith in this year. Look what you individually put your faith in this year. And so this message is titled, The Power of Faith. What is faith for us, church? What will we put our faith in this morning? What will we put our faith in this new year? Will it be our resolutions? I'm sure some of you will have resolutions that you'll take up. Will you put your faith into those things? Will you put your hopes into those things? You see, what we're going to see is these four men put their faith into something much deeper and broader than a workout than even a, uh, a gym membership or a, a reading material. They put their faith into Jesus Christ. And so this morning we'll look at these things. The, the three things that we're going to look at is the powerful faith of the men. We'll look at a saving faith of the men. And we'll look at the response, that lead, the, the saving faith that leads to an act of worship. Those are the three things we'll look at this morning. Let's look at the text. It says, on one of those days he was teaching and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village in Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And then the power of the Lord was on him to heal. I often think of if you were anything like me, if you saw or anticipated any of the, the college football games or even the dropping of the ball, there's these moments in the games that there's this excitement that kind of comes. I, I don't know if you've ever been to a game, into the actual game. I've been to the Orange Bowl uh, four, five years ago when Clemson played in the Orange Bowl. And even before the game started, there was this buzz in the stadium. I've been to, uh, I was supposed to go to a Rockets playoff game. I got grounded uh, for, for lying. It's never a good idea to lie to your dad who's working at the um, theater and tell him you went and saw a movie when the movie wasn't playing there. That didn't work out too well for me. But I remember that anticipation of thinking it was game seven of the Western Conference Finals before the Rockets were going to go to the finals. And I had all this excitement about going. I remember in high school, I played water polo. You can laugh at me if you want, that's all right. And I remember we were at the verge of going to the state tournament. We were one game away from going to Austin and playing some of the best of the best. And I remember getting in the pool that day and there was just all this excitement before the game ever started. And maybe that's where we are in this new year. Now I was just talking to Jack out front, and he said, man, it's going to be a good year. Well, according to my calculations, we're 11 hours deep into the new year. But there's already this excitement about the new year. 
And that's what was happening in this moment. We see that at the very end of verse 17. This is before anything had happened in the house. Catch that, is what it says. And the power of the Lord was on him to heal. And so here Jesus is, he's in this house, and, and Luke is saying that the power of the Lord was so, uh, so bold, so ex- extreme that the people around him could feel it before he did anything. I wonder if we today feel that same power of the Lord as we sit here. Do you feel the power of the Lord in this place this morning? We could have stopped when Rob sang for me. I was done. Like the Lord in that moment for me through the Holy Spirit showed up as I was sitting on the front pew. Like I felt the Spirit of the Lord in this place. My prayer is that when you come in here every morning, every Sunday morning, every Sunday evening, every Wednesday night, that you would say with anticipation, man, the power of the Lord is there. He's going to do something before He does it. Do we believe that today? You see, these four men, they believe that. They believe that to be true, that the power of the Lord was going to do something powerful for their friend. How do we know that? Let's keep reading. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. You see, that anticipation had taken over the house, had taken over the court, had taken over the neighborhood, had taken over the city. And these four men felt the excitement of the Lord and said, we've got to do something with our friend who can do nothing for themselves. And so the first thing that we see in these men, they had, because of that excitement, because of their faith, they had a deep love for their friend. You see, a paralyzed man in that culture was worthless. They were worthless. You can read throughout the Gospels, paralyzed people, all they were was just simply beggars on the street. And yet, for some reason, these four guys loved the paralyzed man who was helpless and desperate and worthless. How do we know that they loved him so? Look at all the things that their love did for him. The first thing that we have to see is their love for him, they saw him. That's where it started. These four guys were in the the neighborhood and they had love for their friend. Their love opened their eyes to see what no one else could see. Do we have love like that? In this community, do we have a love and a faith that sees who no one else sees? What's the next thing that their love did? Not only did they see him, but they then saw his need. Right? You can see someone all day long. You and I, we live in Nashville. I would say probably one of the, uh, I'll just say it, I'm probably wrong, but it's, it seems like there's homeless people everywhere. And I see them every single day. I can tell you, coming off of 24 on the Harding, the, the, the pattern of the homeless people Because it's a different homeless man every single day. But it's the same homeless man every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday, every Thursday. It's like they take turns on the corner. And I see them every day. 
But if my love for them doesn't go beyond just seeing them the way these men saw a need for them, then I've done nothing. Now, I'm not saying every time we see a homeless man, give him a dollar. I'm just saying, let's begin to ask the Lord, what would the Lord have us do for the homeless person? Maybe it's simply pray for them. Maybe it's giving them a meal. I, I don't know what it is. So they saw him. They saw his great need that they had that they couldn't do anything about. The second thing we see is not only did they see him, not only did they see his need, they took action. They, he's paralyzed. Remember that. So who put him on the mat? He did not put himself on the mat. He did not put himself on that bed. These four men loved him. They saw him. They saw his need. They took action. Not only did they put him on the mat, but they carried him all the way to Jesus. I wonder what that conversation was like that day. I wonder what it was like. Those four men, I, this is my picture, I could be wrong, but each of the men had a corner of the bed. And as they're taking him from where he was, begging in the streets to this house, I wonder what that conversation was like. Not only did they carry him to the mat, not only did they carry him all to where the house, it, it says in the text that they had to fight the crowd. Now again, get the picture. Here is a beggar, homeless, paralyzed man on a mat. He probably did not smell that great. And can you imagine the, the, the hustle and bustle as this man's coming into the court of the house and the house is packed out, it's packed out and... and the, the scholar says it's so packed out, even the outside of the house is packed just to hear Jesus. And here these four men begin to fight the crowd to get their friend to Jesus. They're motivated by love. They fight the crowd. They see that they're not going to be able to get their friend to Jesus. It says, but finding no way to bring him, verse 19, because of the crowd, what did they do? They went up on the roof. Not only did they bring him to, to the house, not only did they fight the crowd to the house, but they began to climb the stairs of the house. They didn't have an elevator. Can you imagine carrying a paralyzed man up a narrow stairwell up the backside of a house? So we can read and think, man, this is pretty easy. No, they took extreme measures because of their love for their friend to get him to Jesus. They get up on top of the roof, it says. They still couldn't get him to Jesus, so what do they do? They dig a hole in the roof. Not only did they dig a hole in the roof, but then they find some kind of way to lower their friend on a mat to the very feet of Jesus. And I wonder for us today, I wonder for us in this new year, as you sit here, who is it that God's calling you to love this way? To see them as they are, to see their need, to put you're seeing and seeing their need into action. Who is God calling you in this moment to love this way? Here's the beauty of it. This is the same exact love that Christ had for us. Let me go back and tell, retell the story of the gospel. Jesus in heaven saw us just where we were at. And not only did Jesus see us right where we were at, Jesus saw our great need for a Savior. 
Not only did he see us right where we're at, not only did he see our need for a Savior, what did he do? He, what we celebrated last week, he came and gave up the glories of heaven to come down here on earth as a baby in a manger. He gave up all of it because he saw us for who we were. He saw our great need and he put love into action. You see, we can read the most famous verse in the Bible and not understand what this really means. We can read this, that God himself saw us, that God saw our need and God provided a way back to him. Remember the verse, the verse says this, for God what? So love the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loved us the same way, if not more so than those four men carrying their friend to the mat. But see, it doesn't stop there. See, these four men, it doesn't just stop with love. The text says. It goes into the next thing. Not only must we have love for people, but we must have a conviction for people. And a conviction to who we're bringing people to. The word conviction means this. A strong persuasion or belief. A state of being convicted. Do we have a conviction the way those four men had a conviction? You see, that's exactly what these men had. They had a deep conviction. They had a deep belief that God would do something for their friend that day. They were convinced of it. You see, they were so convinced of it that they loved him so much that he fought the crowd, they dug a hole in it, and they put him on a mat and put him at the feet of Jesus. They had a deep conviction. Do you and I have a conviction of who we're bringing people to? Or is Jesus just a byproduct of what we've always heard? Are we convinced who Jesus really is? And are we convinced of what he can do for people? You see, because we love people and we have a conviction for what God would do, we'll begin to do something about it the way these four men that day did. We will go out of our way to bring people to Jesus. You see, and unlike these four men, we'll get to it in a moment, they had no idea what was about to happen to their friend. They were convinced that he could heal them. They were not thinking about his eternal salvation. They were simply thinking about his earthly state to be healed from being paralyzed. And I wonder for us, do we have the same conviction that God wants to save people? Are you convicted of that? And are you convinced of that? Is Christ the only way that man can have a relationship with God? Do you burn with conviction for that? Do I? You see, Peter did. Peter in Acts says it this way about his deep conviction for salvation. His deep conviction for who Christ was. Verse four, chapter 4, verse 12 of Acts says this. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Are you convicted and convinced of that truth? Is Jesus Christ the only way 
to have a personal relationship with God the Father is the, the only way. We have to be convinced of that. If not, what we will do is we will leap on law. We will leap on tradition. We will leap on do's and don'ts onto people. Do this, don't do that. Believe this, don't believe that. That will not be convincing them that Christ is the only way. And it's not just about word, people. It's about how do I live my life in front of unbelieving people? Do I believe it so much? Does my conviction of who God is and what God has done for me spill out onto other people? Not through word, but through my action. You see, these men had a love for their friends. They had a conviction for Christ Jesus. But most importantly, I believe this. In verse, seven, in verse 19 it says, and they had a faith. The next thing is faith. They not only loved their friend, they not only had a conviction for Christ Jesus, but they had a deep faith that Jesus would do something natural that day for their friend. You see, here's how Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, addresses faith. Verse 1 of chapter 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. You see, they can have all the love they want for their friend. They can have all the conviction they have. But if we are not led by our faith, then we have nothing. Do you this morning sit with a deep faith that Jesus Christ can do for your friend what you cannot do for them? Do you have a deep faith that God is willing to do something for your friend that you cannot do for them? You see, they saw their friend. They saw their friend in need. They saw their friend paralyzed and they knew man we can do nothing all we can kind of do with this guy is kind of hang out and feed him that's kind of all we can do but if it's left up to us we'll never see this guy get up and walk but they had a faith that day that said if we get our friend to jesus jesus will do the supernatural do we have that faith today do we have the faith that christ jesus will still do the supernatural I'm not just talking about physical here, and though we, we've seen testimony of that this past year. But do we still believe and are we still convinced, do we still have love for people that Christ wants to save people? Do we have that faith? Here's what the text tells us about their faith. I, I believe it must be true for us this morning in our faith when it comes to how we're going to love our community. How will Powell's Chapel and the people of Powell's Chapel love this community how will we love it well how will we drag people on a mat to the feet of jesus i believe it must happen three ways in our faith we must have a persistent faith you look at the men's faith it was persistent there was no obstacle that day that was going to stop them from getting their friend to jesus they were very persistent you know so persistent and I'll get to this in the text. But when we think of roof, it was a two-foot roof they had to dig through. And they persistently dug and dug and dug and dug. And we think of a hole. A hole, a man is not going to fit in a hole. Like, here's this massive hole in the top of somebody's house. I don't know about you. I don't know how you'd feel if someone dug a hole in your roof. But they were persistent. Nothing was going to stop them. 
not only were they persistent, I believe uh, we must do that as the church. I, I believe that God is calling us this year to be this. We must be creative in our faith. What that means is we can't keep doing the same old things that we've always done. We must get creative. You see, the creativity in those men with their faith is what led them to do all the things that they did. They didn't just stop. They didn't just stop in their persistence, but they got creative. How are we going to get this guy to Jesus? Can, can you think about in that creativity the scrutiny these men would have taken? They would have gotten made fun of. You do not hang out with paralyzed people. You do not hang out with smelly people. You definitely do not hang out with beggars. But these men in their creativity said whatever it takes we'll do to get them to Jesus. Will we, church, get creative this year? Are we willing to begin to do things that we've never done in this place before? For one reason and one reason only, because there is the name of Jesus by which no everyone will be saved. Are we willing to get creative to bring people to Christ? this year and here's the last thing that i think it's going to take more than all the others a persistent faith a creative faith it must take a sacrificial faith here's how this plays out those guys that day they dug a hole in the wall it cost them something who do you think repaired that hole i don't think the owner of the house was like hey i'll penny up on that I think he looked at those four guys and said, hey, great job getting them to Jesus, but there's still a hole in my roof. Like, pay up. It cost them time that day. It cost them a lot of time to get their friend to Jesus. Will we get sacrificial in our faith for one reason and one reason only, the glory of God? Will we do that, church? Because here's what happens when we put our love into action, we put our conviction into action, we put our faith into action. What does it say? It says this, and when he saw their faith, what does he say to the man? Because of their faith, your sins are forgiven. It wasn't because of the man that his sins were forgiven. It was because of the four men's faith that their sins were forgiven. Will we, church, put our faith into action so that other People will benefit from our faith that they will come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I wonder in that moment if that man said, wait, wait, wait a second. Man, I didn't do, the four guys in that moment didn't just say, wait, this is not what we had in store. This is not the reason we came to bring you to Jesus. Like our deal was great, his sins are forgiven, but the dude still can't walk. And I wonder for us, I wonder for us if maybe sometimes what we have in our minds that God will do, God has something much greater he wants to do for us. That's what happened that day. They brought their friend to Jesus. And the first thing he did was not heal the man. He said to him, your sins are forgiven. He gave them eternity in that moment. And then it went to the healing process of the body. And so for us, church, do we have a saving faith that God is going to do for people what we cannot do for them, both physically and spiritually? Do we have that faith today? You see, because 
what happens when there's a saving faith. People come to know Jesus Christ because of our faith. I don't have time to teach on that next section where the Pharisees and Jesus have this interchange, but I, I want to teach on this last part. When he says to the man, I have got authority to forgive and I have authority to heal. And he said to the man, you pick up, rise, and take your bed and go home. And what does it say? Immediately, the man did what he was told. He rose up before them and picked up his mat. And having been laying on the mat, he went home. And how did he go home? Glorifying God. Not glorifying that he could walk. Not glorifying that he could dance. Not glorifying that he could move. He glorified God because of what God had just done for him. Not just physically, but eternally. He went and glorified God. And not only him does it say glorify God. What does the text say? He went home glorifying God. And what amazement seized them all. Everyone in that house, as packed out as the house was, amazement fell over. I wonder for us, church, Powell's Chapel, if men and women started coming and giving and surrendering their life to Christ, what the crowd around us would begin to do. Would they be in amazement the way this crowd was in amazement? Not only were they in amazement, it says, seize them all. What did they do? They glorified God. So here's this crowd of people because of four men's faith. One man glorified God. And because he glorified God, amazement took over the house. And everyone in the house began to glorify God. Would that not be amazing, church? If this year and this year alone, people began to surrender their will and their life over to Christ because of our faithfulness to them, our love for them, our conviction in the Holy Spirit, and our faith that God can do something about it, that they begin to glorify God and our community around us begins to see that and they begin to glorify God? How amazing would that be? But it's going to start with our faith, church, Powell's Chapel. It's going to start with the men and women in this room, church. And said so they were all glorifying God and they were filled with awe. And then it was said, we have seen extraordinary things today. The thing I must ask as we close this morning is this. Before the crowd ever says they've seen extraordinary things before the crowd ever glorifies God the question is this have you sitting here have you seen amazing things in your own life because of your love because of your convictions and because of your faith have you been captivated in an awe of God you see it's going to start with us Pals Chapel it will start with our faith Will we have persistent faith? Will we have creative faith? And will we have sacrificial faith? You see, the beauty is that doesn't come from us and us alone. We had a God that what? He had a persistent faith for us. The text says, while we were yet sinners, He died for us. While we were far from Him, He pursued us. That's persistence. 
not only that, but he, he had creativity. He got creative at how he's going to save us. And not only was he creative, he gave us a sacrifice that none of us can ever touch. The God of the universe was persistent, was creative, and man, was he sacrificial. Will we do the same? Let us pray. God, I pray for us as a church. I pray, God, that we would look to you as our example, how you loved us. How you had a deep conviction for us. The conviction was we were lost and helpless. And the conviction was they are in great need. And then you had a sacrificial, a creative, and a persuasive love and faith for us. And you've pursued us all along the way. God, I pray as we sit here, just in the quietness of this building, in the quietness of this room, at the beginning of this year, God, I pray that in this moment, God, we would first and foremost be reminded of all that you've done for us. And God, if you've We've sat here and been reminded of what you've done for us. God, I pray. And I'd ask each of you to do this in this moment. You received a bulletin. Inside that bulletin, you would have gotten a a sermon notes card. I, I just ask that you put one or two people on that list that you can think of that needs your faith for them. That on this beginning of this new year, that this year you will commit to praying for that name every day and that because of your faith that man or that woman on that piece of paper will come to know Christ and then we can glorify you Lord Jesus God I pray for us as the church your church God, those words that Jack said moments before the service, it's going to be a great year. I pray, God, that we would see that. And that would be true for us individually, for our families, and for us as the church. You are a great God. You are a good God. You are a persistent God. You are a creative God. You are a sacrificial God. The list goes on captivate us God with who you are and what you've done for us because you've done it for us it's true you can do it for others we pray that would be true this year we'll give you 2017 be glorified in this place God I pray that in 364 days we could look back and see all of your goodness we'd have a worship service because of your faithfulness and your goodness. We pray this in the sweet name of Jesus. Amen.